Emil, how are you, man? I am very well. Thanks for getting me on. Yeah, it's been it's been a it's been a while. I'm trying to get you on, or I wanted to have you on, I should say, because uh, you know you, you're living the lifestyle of somebody who travels, but is also kind of jacked and and stay managed to stay lean, and you you kind of coach people, and that's your main profession, right? So I think I, I've kind of often clients that kind of do not not similar to you, but they you're kind of like a uh, nomad right you travel around everywhere but it's it's often um, trying to explain to them that y- yeah there's people who travel the world but you very rarely see people who travel the world who are actually in good shape as well they usually just travel already a lot but then you know they're not they're not usually in great shape you know they so but today we're going to learn the, the lessons of, of the how secrets you do that. so yeah <laughs> exactly so but before we kind of get into the meat of it it would be great to to understand kind of your background, where you came from, etc., but before you where you are now today. Yeah, for sure. So background is medical doctor. Um, pretty much did that straight from high school. I knew I was going to be a doctor from 14, 15 when I did my GCSEs. Dad was a doctor, so it was kind of inevitable. And then as I was kind of getting through it, I realized that it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. And thankfully, I had a strong background in sports science, worked in a gym through university, all that kind of thing. So when I decided to make the move, I had a foundation for it. And then since 2015, I was engineering a a move from medicine. And then from 2017, 18, 19, the coaching really took off. And yeah, since then, I've been traveling nomad slash semi-nomad with a base um avoiding the winter basically uh, and coaching and coaching people and actually the people i coach are people who have sometimes similar lifestyles with a lot of travel or nomadic but more often than not they have a base uh, but they just travel a lot kind of maybe once or twice per month um for business or whatever else so you know the crux of what i do is is helping people be healthy and in shape around busy stressful lifestyles with lots of obstacles the the typical you shouldn't be able to stay in shape with what you kind of do and i'm kind of like yeah but you can let's let's let me show you how yeah yeah that's actually a good point um kind of a few things you mentioned on on there it's like it's it's pretty it's pretty frequently i hear that people who have parents in medicine they're like it's almost like a rite of passage where it's like i knew i was going to be in medicine because my parents were um, I've heard, definitely heard a few people say that. Um, how, how long were you actually, uh, you know, in med? Were you, did you do res- residency or anything like that? Were you actually practicing doctor for a while? Yeah. You're not, you're not that old, right? Well, I mean, no, I don't think so. And I feel like I'm getting younger each year um, as I just regress into having a good time. Um, so I graduated in 2011 after six years in university. Uh, I did a medical degree and a sports science degree. And then I worked as a doctor like full time for four years until 2015. And then 2015 to 2019, I did like locum shifts in in the emergency room while building my business. And basically I tapered that out over time. Uh, 2019, I did 23 shifts and I did my last medical shift in August 2019 and then left the UK to, to live in Portugal and travel around Asia and haven't been a doctor since then. I mean, doctor in title, but not in a practicing sense. But I mean, ultimately I was working as a doctor for, what is that, eight years, nine years? So Mm. a fair chunk. 
and and where was your your base out of because you, you know i'm on the laptop here today usually i have dual monitors with the dslr and stuff it's a bit yeah. of a nightmare using especially when you have like a 13 inch it's great for traveling but yeah. trying to actually get work done oh yeah it's a nightmare and obviously uh one of my friends asked me did you bring a monitor with you it's like i'm not going to carry a monitor through like airport security so, yeah yeah i'm just bringing this with me but where's your base out of so i mean it was in the uk until 2019 and then i moved to portugal um and especially with covid in 2020 i was kind of locked down in portugal and i built a setup for getting shit done basically um as you say dual monitors all that kind of stuff so portugal lisbon is where i'm based mm. and for the summer it's beyond perfect but october november it starts to get a bit cold like a little bit cold not uk cold but a little bit cold um mm. so yeah I, I tend to scarper yeah and, and you your your background in terms of sport as well you've you've done some strongman competitions you've done physique competitions right yeah so rugby was was the the original like from 11 i grew up in wales so rugby i couldn't avoid it played that until 22 23 and then quit because i kept tearing my hamstring kept getting concussed and um i like ju i just realized i liked training in the gym more than i liked playing sport so then i looked for a sport which involved um training in the gym and strongman was the one uh, and actually i got i gained a shitload of weight i don't know if i can swear um and got up to like 142 kilos of body weight a lot of it body fat to be honest and i did reasonably well at strongman but because i didn't want to go down the assisted route i just reached a ceiling basically and was like <laughs> i can't compete with these guys and then i started working as a doctor and kind of gave that up dropped like 30 kilos and then inevitably in dropping 30 kilos i got interested in nutrition and like to take things to extreme so i was like how extreme can i take this leanness and that inevitably turned into competing um for a bit i don't know between 2015 2018 something like that mm. yeah I, I it would be pretty ironic if you were a, an assisted strong man like 170 kilos because you're tall so you know I'm blood tall, pressure yeah. like 160 over 90 or something, something like that pounding 6,000 calories a day and then you know being a doctor um but um yeah so, so honestly, so like, I couldn't, I couldn't get any, like, I was 142 kilos and I was force feeding myself 6,000 calories a day, like tracked, like drinking oil to get it in. And I kind of took the top 10 strongmen in the world, their body weight. And the average I think was 152 kilos at the time, 10 years ago. Now it's heavier. And I was like, I need to be 152 kilos minimum to compete. Yeah. Nowadays they're 170, 180. But that was like the minimum. I just couldn't do it. Like I, I couldn't stuff enough food in my mouth to get to that size. And I mean, obviously drugs would have been a factor, but I, I just couldn't eat any more food. Like I was eating, I, I couldn't eat vegetables. I couldn't eat chicken breasts. I couldn't drink fluids without calories because there was no space. But anyway, that's a different story. I don't, I don't recommend it. Yeah. I wonder what like your triglyceride levels and cholesterol and everything would have been like. Uh, my my blood imagine. pressure was high. Like, because yeah. I was I was doing placement in GP in GP land, and I, you know, put my arm out and, and did that. I was terrified to check anything else at that point. I was just like, shit, I need to, I just need to lose this body fat. And I've since had mm. blood tests, and they're all fine and normal. But yeah, I, I, you know, even my blood sugar, I don't think was would have been good. Like I was force feeding myself. It was like mm. one of those 
uh, faux gras geese or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Your blood would have been pretty tasty, I'd say. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. Just put it on toast. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I was going to ask you then. So I guess when when it comes to traveling, when you when you like, you probably learned a lot since traveling since you start began began traveling. Um, and was it was it an initial like concern or worry when you first started traveling because i remember back in 2016 uh, I, I was also doing a competition and i wanted to kind of prove that i could travel and can do a bodybuilding prep at the same time so that was it was good fun but the problem was i traveled with friends from the us who just wanted to party so um it was like we we did lots of trips around europe the us and stuff um but every night of the week, they're like, let's, let's go nightclubs, like party, drinks, you know. But So, yeah, that was, it was definitely challenging. But I know a lot of people almost, they kind of fear traveling because food is difficult to be on point, gym, etc. You're just out of the routine. So how, how do you kind of, what's the way that you approach that? I mean, if it's a case of priorities, like if you're going on a vacation to party for a week, then it is what it is. Like if you can, you know, maybe do some exercise, then great. But it's a week, the, the point is to party. If you're traveling for an extended period, then you do need a plan. Um, and if your lifestyle is travel, then you 100% need a plan because you can't just go off the rails all the time. Um, so when I initially started traveling in 2017, 18, I already had a good base in nutrition but it was in you know, the, the extremes of bodybuilding. But actually, once you've explored those extremes, you know what you can get away with. Like I know for sure that people don't need to do hours of cardio, normal people. I know for sure people don't necessarily need to track all their macros to the fine, to the fine gram. Like I, I can identify what the most important things are. So that's what I was applying. And then over time, I just got better and better at applying that and built systems for one, doing that on the road and then to being able to exercise on the roads and it, I just got better and better at it like I built habits I built behaviors they, they got integrated and now it's it's pretty much on autopilot like I stay in shape while traveling without tracking without really paying attention to anything it just it just happens and if people looked at how I run my life then they would see a lot of things and they're like okay I can see what you're doing and how you're doing it but at this point it's on autopilot um, so it's zero effort, but it takes time to get to this stage and will require effort up front. But yeah, it, it's been a, it's been an interesting journey and I, you know, I'm not going to pretend it's always been easy and effortless and you, the way you learn is by, by doing, uh, having an intent and making mistakes and then reflecting on them and, and improving from there. So yeah, it's an ongoing process and this is what I teach, uh, teach my clients and it, and it takes time. Yeah. I think you, you made a good point um, when you said, you know, traveling, if you're traveling longer term, that you need to have a plan because if you're going away for a vacation to enjoy it um, and, and food and alcohol is part of that, then, you know, do it and don't regret it, you know, but 100%. if you're going to be traveling for work or you're somebody who works doing events um, in different countries all the time, you know, that it's not a, it's not a perpetual holiday. So you need to kind of think about some sort of strategy so what sort of heuristics do you have for like say nutrition do you do you say like follow some sort of 
okay, uh, portion guides or having a vegetable at every meal or do you intermittent fast if you're not tracking calories? Because I know and yeah. I know the way you're thinking because, you know, I say as well, I haven't tracked calories in, since 2019, I think, um, when I last did a bodybuilding show. But I I know that I can, myself not tracking and someone who's never tracked not tracking is not totally the same thing. Totally different beast. Yeah. No, no, no. So I, I recommend all my clients track because you have to learn about food and you have to learn about how it affects you and you need to know what 1500 calories or 2000 calories feels like and only then once you've gained a base of knowledge can you consider not tracking in the future and this will take time um, so for me personally I use I call it modified intermittent fasting I intermittent fast but I have protein shakes throughout the day um, and then I have this splitting of uh, types of food that I eat into fuel meals and feast meals. So fuel meals would be meals throughout the day or for example if I'm on my own in an evening when I'm traveling I'll have a fuel meal because my priority isn't to be social it isn't to like enjoy myself particularly so I'm going to focus on nutrition I'm going to focus on lean protein and, and vegetables and I'm not going to cook I'd never ever cook but I'll find something on Uber Eats or I'll go to a restaurant. I'll just order lean protein and vegetables and it'll taste good. But the priority here, it's, it's a mindset going into it. The priority here isn't I'm eating out. I'm going to go crazy. It's look, I'm going to go crazy on the weekend or on Friday or when I meet my mates. But today is just a normal meal. I'm going to eat. It. I'm going to get back and go to sleep. It's just life. Um, and then my feast meals are meals where I prioritize enjoyment. And that's not to say I'm going to stuff as much food in my mouth as possible because let's be honest, that's not enjoyable. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to make sure that I'm going to pick somewhere I like, order things I want to order. Usually it's going to include protein of some sort and vegetables, but then whatever else I want. And then the key with... Uh, so, so when you're doing intermittent fasting with protein and eating fuel meals, it's very easy to stay in shape, in shape because it's lean protein and veg and you're fasting the rest of the time. And when you're eating feast meals, then it's very easy even with one feast meal to blow a whole week of deficit. However, if you then start to be more present and mindful as you're eating, and this takes time as well, you can stop when you're full. And once you can find that balance, then you can essentially eat anything you want as much as you want and stay in shape. But you have to detrain a lifetime of marketing, programming, and, and whatever else to get to that point. So like yesterday, I ate out twice because I was with friends. And today I'm not very hungry. I'll have a shake, I'll have a light lunch. I'll probably have a light evening meal because I'm on my own. And this isn't me compensating or doing anything. This is just the normal ebbs and flows of, of life. Like I could eat burgers today, but there's no point. I wouldn't be enjoying it. There would be no benefit to me of doing it. So that's kind of the high level heuristic. So it is portion control, but it's, intuitive portion control which is not a skill that you can just acquire like that to be fair mm. so uh, i think you you take a very similar approach that, that i would recommend is that you you tell, tell clients to focus on when they do have a social event to actually enjoy that um, and but when they're like you said when they're by themselves or they're at home they don't need to you know pig out or because eating with friends is is a social event and you know that's uh, that's a huge part of it is this the social element not the actual you eating the same pizza that you've had 26 other times in your life um i think another good point you made there is like 
eating out for like your what you say fuel meals i think it's people don't really associate eating out with like eating healthy foods they like eat out so like why don't i get the lasagna and the chips you know um, it, why would I get the kind of lean steak and stuff like that? I know it's easier said. It's, e- it's easier said for someone who's done like a bodybuilding prep because, you know, you, when you eat out, you have this very tunnel vision. Um, and then in terms of like say training, how does that work for you? Do you do you try and find a place that has a gym, or is that does that have a big factor or impact over your choice of location, or do you just go somewhere, bring bands, or I, I seen you doing some kind of like. Uh, body weight stuff and things like that. That's good just for the gram, though. Fucking for the hate gram. body weight <laughs> stuff. I cannot stand it. Um, 142 kilo pull up. That's some. That's impressive. <laughs> so I'm 110 now. I'm, I'm lighter yeah. than than strongman days. I'm no longer morbidly obese. Um, yeah. So I, I. So, like during COVID, when there were lockdowns, I was very bad with training because I hate home training. I hate training with bands i hate body weight training and that's just a preference it works for some people some people love it some people it's super convenient i prescribe it for people who it fits with but for me personally if there's if if there's the option of a gym i'd much rather have a gym now when i'm in portugal i have a trainer who's a calisthenics guy and because we've got like a uh like a jungle gym monkey bars and stuff outside i always train outside which means on back day, there's a lot of pull-ups. On uh, push day, there's a lot of um, dips. But then we do the rest of the weight stuff. It just means we're outside the whole time, which, which is big for me. And then when I'm traveling, I will always... So I have a whole system. I have an assistant who books all my travel, and she gives me like options of gyms nearby, uh, places where I can get food, places where I can get like supplements from. Like I always pick up like wherever I am, I'll pick up mm. some protein just because it makes my life infinitely easier and I also carry some protein with me. So if there's two days before I can locate some, I've got, I've got protein with me. Um, so yeah, I always find a gym if I can find a gym because I really enjoy it and it makes my life infinitely better. And because I travel so much, if every time I got somewhere, it took me three days to figure out a gym, I just wouldn't train. So literally the first day or the second day I sign in for the gym for a week or whatever, and then I, I train basically I train push pull legs on an infinite cycle so if I'm feeling good I'll literally do that every day for a week because then like yesterday I didn't train today I won't train tomorrow I won't train because of just travel and life and then Sunday Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday I will train so I just keep it super loose super simple identify the 80 20 do some compound movements get pumpy pumpy at the end 45 minutes to an hour and and then I'm out Um, and it's great And what would you say is the biggest challenges that people face initially? Um, and I know, say yourself, you've kind of maybe got it down to a T a little bit, but when you're, say, initially working with people who, let's say they're a pilot or something like that, and they would travel a lot, um, what, what what's the initial barriers that, you know, you may have mastered already, but you kind of routinely see? So, I mean, first off with anyone, just learning about food, so tracking, um, which is fairly standard. But the biggest barrier is a lifetime of of diet industry, basically telling you that you have to restrict and then when you eat out, you have to overeat to have fun. And if there's free food, then you should eat as much of it as possible. And it's just deprogramming all of these dumb beliefs and reprogramming 
being an adult human who wants to achieve goals and have fun. So once we've established what I call the physiological blueprint, which is essentially the energy balance required for someone to make progress, basically calories and, and exercise, like absolute core, then I optimize for uh, enjoyment, hunger and energy levels, which means that they can sustain this blueprint for long enough. And when we start digging into enjoyment, which is probably a topic of 50% of our conversations on coaching calls, it's just challenging people when they're like, I went for a burger last night and I ordered XYZ. And I said, okay, well, tell me about it. It's like, oh yeah, the burger was amazing. And I was like, okay, was the first bite as good as the last bite? And they're like, no, actually I felt a bit sick. And I'm like, okay, so what out of that meal, like what were your favorite things and what were the three worst things? It's like actually the fries were a bit shit. I'm like, okay, well, maybe fewer fries or maybe next time don't order fries. Because look, you're, you're eating this meal to enjoy it. So why are you eating stuff you're not enjoying? This is, this is an animal reaction. This is chimp brain. This is reactionary because you've been taught that when you go out, you need to stuff your face. So let's just be a bit mindful and present and maybe not do that. Because then you can have maximal enjoyment and in fact, increase your enjoyment and still be aligned with your goals. Because actually then you can have a burger tomorrow as well because you'll stop when you're full. And look, this takes time. This isn't as simple as, oh, I've told you this now, I'm suddenly gonna manage magically stop when I'm full, but you just have to shine a light on it and bring awareness to it and then just keep hammering it over months, essentially, until it clicks. And it mm. has to come from them. You can't just tell someone, stop when you're full. They have to realize, actually, it was much better when I stopped earlier. Yeah, you, you can't change something if you're not aware of it and aware that you can control it and change it yourself. And you make a good point that you can enjoy, um, you can enjoy foods. Like even when I was doing my last prep, when I was kind of pre pretty rigid with food, I maybe only tracked maybe three days a week and or maybe two. But then you know I would eat out pretty frequently, a couple of times a week. But you can enjoy stuff, but you don't have to eat everything. You know, it's kind of like a thing your your mother told you when you're a kid. You know, finish, finish your, your plate. plate. Or there's kids in Africa that are starving. Yeah. So somehow that's gonna help them if you eat eat all yours yeah. but yeah and i think people are programmed uh, to think about that so yeah that's a, a, a very good point and then in terms of like how the how your clients would react to that because obviously with the diet culture and stuff like that or diet industry people expect results quite fast and when you take a step back from it you know um if someone's in the 30s and they haven't ever got the results they want and they somehow want to achieve it in, in 12 weeks you know how do you kind of reframe that and say you know, let's pause and you know like kind of maybe slow things down because i'm sure they when they come to you they, they they maybe think okay i want to get shredded in you know maybe eight to 12 weeks and it's like hold on a second yeah i mean first off i do four months usually minimum um, for that reason. And actually, I recently launched a 12-month package where people commit to 12 months, and it was actually quite popular. So I'm going to experiment with that and see, because I'm like, look, this shit takes 12 months. I don't just want you to lose body fat. I want to then bring you to maintenance and then actually start you on your new goal, maybe even stop you tracking in that time. So this is going to take time. And anyway, I gear people up for that regardless of how long they, uh, how long they sign up. Um, so what I do is I take kind of a two-prong approach and I'm also very blunt I'm like look we can start losing weight from week one half a kilo a week this is dependent on energy balance so this is your physiological blueprint if you balance your calories and your energy you'll lose weight like I'm not hiding anything from you I'm not the keeper of calories I'm not dictating or prescribing this is the data you've got it in front of you you tell me what you want to do 
and then inevitably stuff happens like they eat out or whatever and then I coach them around it and some people can lose weight rapidly while being coached around this kind of stuff and they'll do both processes of, of fat loss and behavior change simultaneously and actually one client I had got like four months in was totally crushing it like a kilo a week which is a blazing pace and I was like dude when was the last time you had a pizza and he's like I haven't had one since we started and I was like dude you're gonna have to have a pizza because if we do another four months and you still haven't had a pizza you're gonna have put it on a pedestal and it's mm. gonna be an issue so you, you need to have a pizza this weekend look you know how to manage your calories around this have it and he had it and I was like how was it and he was like it was fine like it didn't mm. blow my mind and I was like awesome great it's now no longer on a pedestal have as many pizzas as you want within the calories so that that's a great example that's that's an optimal example now some people they they like to eat out they like to do whatever and i'm like look if you do this your progress will be slower however what you are doing is you're moving up in the behavior change part so the way i illustrate it is is weight loss is a linear loss of fat essentially linear roughly linear uh, and behavior change is an exponential curve which is flat at the bottom and you reach an inflection point and it goes up and as long as you're using sustainable, sensible behaviors to achieve health, so not doing any extreme restriction, then you'll be moving up the behavior change curve. So even if the weight isn't being lost, you're moving up the curve. And I just tell people this super early and I illustrate it and I show them what's happening. And as long as they're still celebrating wins, it's like I stopped a bit sooner on, my, on eating my burger. I didn't eat seven cookies. I just ate three and I was aware of it. And I'm like, look, the weight isn't moving because you're eating too many calories. You know this. I know this. It's in front of you. But as long as you're moving up this curve, eventually you will start to lose weight. Now, the problem is, is you'll lose motivation because nothing's happening in the short term and there's no visible quantitative change. But if you stay with this long enough, you will succeed. And I had a guy who two months, eight weeks, nothing changed weight-wise. And I was like, look, just get on these calls. That's all I want you to do for the next three months that you're with me. And you will improve even if your weight doesn't, uh, doesn't move. And he, he showed up to the calls and after two months, the weight started moving. And he stayed with me for I think another 12 months, dropped like 40 pounds, 20 kilos. And I was like, I knew we would reach this inflection point, this critical mass of behavior and habits where the weight would start moving. And we reached it and now he's maintained for like 12 months and he's crushing it. So as long as I illustrate the process and I'm super blunt with how it goes, then people are kind of okay with it. And to be honest, most of my coaching is not about prescribing calories because I don't prescribe calories. I just put the data in front of them and they can figure it out pretty much. It's about preempting the speed bumps and, and their motivation waning and all stuff like this and preparing them for it. Because then when it happens, they're like, ah, oh, you spoke about this six weeks ago. You, you know what you're doing. I trust you. I have buy into what you, what you do. I'll keep doing it. And that's all I need. I don't need them to lose weight as long as they understand what's happening. Mm, yeah, it's kind of like that, focusing on that identity change and proving it's themselves that. that they're, they're the kind of, they are the person they want to become or whatever, the marginal compounding, compounding gains. Exactly for, yeah, that, that's uh, that's very interesting. So, um, kind of final question to you then around this kind of travel thing is, with regards to kind of the progress that you think you can make, do you think that it's perhaps impeded a bit? Like if you were trying to become in the absolute best shape you possibly could, do you think it's impeded by constant travel, 
does that cause more stress is how, how's kind of sleep and stuff like that how do you how do you manage these factors because uh, even now like i'm not sleeping great because it's like a, a two centimeter white curtain that is at the window and i'm, I'm sure to put tinfoil up on the windows at night to sleep I, i've done that before i've taped bin bags to windows um before um so I mean, the, the super blunt short answer is if you're traveling a lot, then you will not get into the best shape of your life. I mean, mm. let me reframe that. You will not get into the best shape possible for you as a human. Yeah. But you may well get into the best shape of your life because I, I if someone's mean, 20 yeah. kilos overweight, then 100% they can lose 20 kilos and get a six pack while being on the roads. Like that's literally what I sell. But if you are like, I was more ripped when I was a bodybuilder. Like I'm super happy with my shape and I'm much happier overall and holistically and I'm healthy and everything is perfect for me, but it would be very difficult for me to get a lower body fat. And I've no doubt if I had more routine, less stress, whatever else, and my normal gym and training partners that I would be able to build more muscle. But I don't want to discourage people because for 99.9999999% of the fucking population, you can make infinite improvements despite travel despite life despite anything and still be in the top one percentile of health aesthetics muscle and everything else while on the roads so it's semantics in terms of what you're asking but mm, yeah I, I know what you mean you, you mean you, you won't be at the the top of the the very bell curve but you know you you might be at the other end of the bell curve so if you improve you're still in the best shape of your own life um, yeah, yeah you, think you won't hit your own peak potential in yeah, health yeah, because yeah. I, and the, the way I say is, look, if you hit 11 out of 10 in any area of life, then all the other areas will be three out of 10. However, you can hit eight out of nine, uh, sorry, eight or nine out of 10 across the board with the 80, 20 rule. But if you, as soon as you go to 11, as soon as you become an extreme bodybuilder, relationship suffers, social life suffers, business suffers, everything suffers. If you go 11 out of 10 in business, relationship suffer, social life suffers, health suffers. So taking it that extra little bit to 11 out of 10, like an elite athlete, everything else is going to suffer. But you can do 8 out of 10 across the board. And given that most people cruise at 3, 4, 5 out of 10, 8 out of 10 across the board, you look like a fucking superhuman. Mm. What, I wonder what 11 out of 10 is with uh, relationships that like multiple girlfriends. Yeah, like polyamory, like nailing it. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, stress or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. But, you know, just even like... I know what you mean, yeah. If you go hard at one thing, you're going to have to sacrifice other things. Yeah, I exactly. think a lot of people probably in the listening will probably, uh, they'll probably kind of resonate with the bodybuilding side of things if they've done a, a photo shoots or preps. Yeah, you, you've, you're going to have to. I even heard people had, you know, they've lost clients because they felt like they had to like put them on the back burner, which, but then they were competing to get clients. It's just, uh, I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> But so that's a perfect example because 11 out of 10 would have, for example, been me competing at 5% body fat, whatever. And now I'm at 10% body fat. And to the vast, vast, vast majority of the population, I'm in great shape. And they probably can't really tell the difference between me at 5% and me at 10%. Whereas me at 10% is like zero bandwidth to maintain and I can run my whole life. I can travel, have fun, run businesses, whatever else. But me at 5%, I'm dysfunctional like as a human so that's the difference like you can still be high level but it's just not extreme level so yeah mm. 
yeah, no, I completely, completely uh, understand what you're saying. So where can people find more about what you do and, uh, and stuff like that? What are your uh, socials and things like that? Yeah, so uh, Instagram is Dr. Emil Official, D-R-E-M-I-L Official. And then my website is dremil.com. And you have a coaching thing as well, right? Yeah, so I coach uh, basically business owners and entrepreneurs, people who are trying to push business to 11 out of 10. And I coach them to, to bring their health up, basically, while doing everything else. Um, so th- if, they, if they bring their... If the business is 11 out of 10 and they bring their physique, does that mean their business goes to eight and they lose revenue? No, it's not that they lose revenue. They just... Uh, they I'm, push, only pull, I'm only pulling your left one. They grow, they grow less quickly. But, I mean, this is, this is another topic and a whole other podcast. But often in the wealth game, we get caught yeah. up in numbers for the sake of numbers because that's all we know. Whereas, actually, we're trying to do it to achieve happiness and validation, whereas... Yeah like 11 out of 10 is pointless unless you're trying to get to mars elon musk crack on but if you're just trying to go from you know 10 million to 12 million like what is that extra 2 million going to achieve versus you actually losing 20 kilos and being healthy so Mm. it it, it's not it's just shifting the focus to more balance and you're still above average across the board but you're just not going to die 20 years earlier yeah and uh when i meant your coaching thing i actually meant your uh, what is it called AF mentors oh yeah business coaching so basically yeah. what I've done is I've I've got health down to the 80 20 like I can help people figure out their health while doing a million and one things and since getting into business I've I've kind of distilled the 80 20 of business like I know how to get like online coaches and PTs how they can make an extra two three thousand pounds per month with very little effort and probably decreased stress and that's what we're doing with AFM, uh, Applied Fitness Mentors. Like, it's not high-ticket coaching. It's just the thing where we give you the 80-20. We provide a community of like-minded people who also want to crush it. And we give you some accountability. And you'll make an extra 2 3 k a month. It's, it, we charge 250 quid a month. The, the idea being that it's an absolute no-brainer because you make more money within the first few weeks. And then you never leave us because you don't need to because you've made the money back. So it's total opposite of all these high-ticket coaches out there. Um, who charge you like 10k and uh, you know want you want to build a six-figure business because we know that that's not what you guys want you just want to make an extra two three k have a good life love coaching people and enjoy it and that's what we're selling basically mm. awesome well thanks so much man for coming on and i'll put Pleasure, all those links you mentioned in the, me. in the notes chat you soon chat you soon brother